Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Hey, all of my Janesville online people. Uh, listen, I know um, a lot of you guys have started worshiping in person, and, and it's been great to see you at church. Uh, but, but I realize not everybody is there. And so um, I'm glad we can continue to come to you here uh, for church. Uh, whenever you feel comfortable, though, I just, I just want to continue to invite you to show up in person, uh, mostly because we all know that while church online is convenient, it's also not everything that you need. And so um, we really hope to see you back at church in person as soon as you're comfortable. But I listen, I am glad that I get to preach this weekend. It's been a long time. Um, we, Mandy and I, have been kind of holed up in our house for the past year uh, without any kids. We don't, our nieces haven't been coming over, but, but for the past few weeks, all of that has changed and it feels amazing. I mean, Mandy and I uh, both got our vaccine so we can, we can hug our girls. We all did Easter together last week and it really felt great. Um, and the other thing that's been super fun is that my seven-year-old niece, Aria, has started spending every day with, with, with us um, while her mom and dad are, are away at work. Now, I'm not normally really a, a little kid guy, but this, this little kid, dang, she's got my heart. I mean, most importantly, she is hilarious. And anybody who knows me knows um, that people's value to me is mostly based on their entertainment value. And I'm like 80% kidding about that. But Arya, uh, she isn't just hilarious. She's also one of the most kind and considerate seven-year-olds I've ever met. Um, she's the kind of kid who cares about your feelings. We, you know, we'll ask her what she wants for lunch. And she'll, she'll just say, oh, what's that? whatever's easiest for you. I mean, I don't know most kids that are like that. But, um, but let's be honest, she's not perfect. Um, <laughs> the girl is also like a tornado. She walks into a clean house and, and can somehow completely destroy it in under five minutes. But then she'll just come up and cuddle you and make you feel like a million bucks. I love that kid. And, and of course, um, I sometimes think about things like who she's going to be, what her life is going to be like, just like I did with my own girls. Um, but the truth is, we all know that nobody really knows what a life is going to look like for such a young kid. I mean, there's, there's really, there, honestly, there's really only one thing that's guaranteed. At some point, Aria will know disappointment. She will know pain. She will come to a time in her life that feels impossible and she can't see a way through it. That is all but guaranteed because that's life, right? I mean, if, if you're not going through a difficult time right now, just wait a few minutes. It's coming. Okay, maybe not in a few minutes, maybe in a few weeks or a few years, but life is filled with disappointment and hurt and pain. And so that's why we've decided we're going to spend some extended time over the course of the next few weeks putting it all into perspective. Because the truth is, whether we can see it or not, there is no pain, no disappointment, no impossibility that's greater than Jesus. And I, listen, I realize that it's easy to say that in church, but it's, 
It's a whole different thing to be able to count on it when life gets ugly. And so we're not just going to talk about it on the weekend. We're asking uh, that you'd make a, a commitment right here and now to spend some time in the Bible and in prayer every single day. It doesn't have to like take 30 minutes. You can kind of start small, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk later about how important this is, especially when you're living in a situation you don't know how to get through. So I'm going to ask you to do a little heart work right now. So wherever you are, I want you to close your eyes and take a moment to ask God if this is something that he wants you to do, to commit to for the next 50 days. And then if he does, just go to centralwire.com and click on the prayer guide at the top of the page. Um, and what we've done is we've put together a, a resource that'll help you live in the truth that Jesus is greater than any impossibility in your life. But today, I am really excited because we're going to be jumping into a great story in the Old Testament book of Joshua, chapter 3. So um, let me set the stage for you. The children of Israel have been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And when I say the children of Israel, I'm not talking about just like a decent-sized group of people. I am talking about millions of people. And it wasn't, honestly, just people. Uh, they were carrying with them everything that they owned. They had flocks of sheep. They had wagons and goats and clothing. Everything they owned was with them. And today, more than any day, because of this story, it's, it's important to put into perspective just how many people this was. It just so happens that at the time of our story, in the book of Numbers, God had them do a census of all the men who were 20 years of age and older. And they counted 600,000 dudes. Now, if you, um, if you account for women and children, we're talking about maybe two and a half million people. And listen, it's hard to wrap our minds around a number that big. But uh, let me just try to put it into perspective. Have you ever gone to like a big city? Let's take Chicago, for instance. And have you ever thought, dang, there are a lot of people here. You know, like how on earth does everybody eat and get around and do all of the things that they need to do? I mean, sometimes I'm just in awe of how many people can live in such a small place. And then I start to think, you know, if there were some, some disaster of some kind, and people had to, to leave and move out quickly, it would be a disaster. And so I, I, wanted, I wanted to tell you that because here's some perspective. There were the same number of Israelites wandering around the wilderness as there are people in the city of Chicago. Think about how slowly a group that size must have moved from place to place. I mean, they wandered the wilderness after 40 years of slowly wandering from place to place. They had finally come to a camp beside the Jordan River on a huge plain right across from the promised land, the land that God had said was going to be theirs. And after 40 years, when they, when they camped there across the river uh, from the place they had been dreaming about the entire time, God told Moses that it was his time to die. And he told him to walk up into the mountains. And honestly, I got to tell you, I actually think it's a pretty cool way to go. 
I would love it if God would just, when it's my time, Eric, walk up into the mountains. But Moses left Joshua, this guy in charge of this enormous mob of people. And Joshua knew what the next move was, but he just didn't see how he could possibly pull it off. I mean, the next move for the people was to cross the Jordan River and take the land that God had promised them. But there was a problem. They had been camped by that river for quite a while and everybody knew that crossing it was not gonna happen. And it wasn't gonna happen because the Jordan was at flood stage. If, if you tried to cross on foot, you'd just be swept downstream. I mean, there was no way that women and children and all of their stuff was gonna be able to make it across that river. It was impossible. And that's the setting for our story. And, and maybe it's the setting for your life. There's something huge that stands in the way of the life that you think or even know that you're supposed to lead. And it feels like there's literally no possible way past it. Maybe it's a, a destroyed relationship, an affair, a divorce, a broken friendship, and you really have no idea how to fix it. Maybe your uh, impossibility is an addiction. I mean, you've tried to kick alcohol or drugs or sex or pornography, but it, it feels like this, this enormous, impossible weight that keeps dragging you back in. Maybe you're in debt up to your eyeballs and you literally can't see a way out of it. But what, what is your Jordan River? What is your impossible barrier? I want you to keep it in mind as we, as we look to what Joshua and the Israelites do when faced with their impossibility. This is Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. It says, Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. I mean, the impossibility was still there. There was no plan yet. Nobody knew how this was going to happen, but, God, but Joshua had the people consecrate themselves to get ready for the supernatural work of God. I mean, they had no idea how God would see them through, only that he would. And so what does it mean to consecrate yourself? What does it look like to prepare yourself for a big spiritual turning point in your life? Um, well, for the Israelites, it would have involved some rituals, but for us, consecration is really about our heart. It's about the state of our spirit while we prepare ourselves for God to move. And, and I gotta tell you, there are lots of ways to consecrate our hearts, but I just, I wanna share two of my favorites. Um, uh, first, we all need to try to see ourselves for who we really are. And I know for a lot of Christians, uh, that means that we're supposed to think about what horrible sinners we are, that we're like good for nothing. Because uh, for some reason, somewhere along the line, it became super pious to talk about ourselves as, as these awful, pitiful, worthless creations. But honestly, that's not how God sees us. And that's not seeing yourself for who you really are. When, when God looks at you, he doesn't see a good-for-nothing screw-up. 
He sees somebody who was uniquely created in his image. He sees somebody who can contribute something special to his creation. He sees somebody who, um, who he loves more than we can possibly imagine. So seeing ourselves for who we are really, uh, really isn't as much about sin as it is about our limitations. Admitting that we can't cross the Jordan on our own. Admitting that we are powerless over our addictions. Admitting that we can't fix that relationship or get out of that debt without supernatural intervention from God himself. And the best way I know to do that is through the practice of prayer. Remind yourself daily what your limitations are. Ask God for his supernatural power to be at work in your life. Remind yourself that whatever your impossibility is, you don't have what it takes to push past it on your own. I believe that prayer is the best tool for seeing ourselves for who we really are. Uh, But here's the second part. of consecration that I just want to share with you. Um, We need to learn to see God for who he really is. And and, and I don't mean just seeing that he's able to see you through your impossibility, though he obviously is. What I mean is, is seeing God for who he is in your everyday. It's one of the best ways to consecrate your heart, to prepare yourself for him to move. Listen, I believe that God is always at work around us, creating amazing spiritual encounters if we're just willing to open our eyes. Maybe um, it's the lady at the drive-thru who couldn't get your order right. She could either be um, just a frustration to you or she could be somebody God put in your path to brighten their day. Uh, It might be the guy at work who comes into your office and talks your ear off and is super annoying, but maybe he's also somebody that God wants you to listen to just so he feels some love. I, I believe these encounters are happening all the time, but I rarely have my focus in the right place to see them for what they are and to see God for who he really is in my everyday. But the best way to see God for who he really is, is to realize and acknowledge that he knows better than you do. Oh, I know you know your impossibility. You are an expert in it. You've stayed up nights thinking about any possible solution to it. You know how you would fix it if you were God. And it is so tempting to tell God how he's supposed to get us past the impossibility. But consecrating your heart for a move of God often involves realizing that he knows better than you do. And even though you think you know how he should work, he knows better. That's why I think that being in the word of God is so important. You know, we we can't really see God for who he really is without studying what he's done and who he's been. And it's why we, we, we put together that prayer and, and scripture guide on the website for you. So you can download it and print it off. And, I, and listen, I, I hope that you'll be willing to do that. And just go to centralwire.com, 
um, and, and just allow prayer and the word to begin to consecrate your heart every day. Okay, back to the story. Um, there they are, consecrated for a big move of God, and they still don't really know what it's going to look like. Um, so let's read on. When the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now, the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. And while the water was flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, um, was completely cut off. And so the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Okay. Here's where I think the perspective of how big this group of people is and how slow this happens comes into play. Now, I know that the Bible tells this story. I just read it like, okay, this happened and then that happened and then the story's over. But, um, but this wasn't a quick thing. First of all, let's, let's just put ourselves in the place of the Levites who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. I mean, um, okay, so like you, you go and you pick the thing up by the rods um, and you're, you're petrified because you saw the Indiana Jones movie and you don't want your face to melt. Um, and you walk toward the bank of this raging river at flood stage. Are you nervous? I would guess so. I would be. And so the priests step their feet into the river. And I got to say, I honestly don't know how miracles work. I don't know how this miracle worked, but the way the Bible describes it sounds like the moment that the priest stepped into the water, the Jordan was cut off way upstream. Uh, most scholars actually think it piled up like 10 miles away from where they were. Now, again, I don't know how miracles work, so God could have just like evaporated all the water, but, but I do know rivers. I, I kind of I live on rivers in the summer with my kayak. And I know that if, let's say, the Rock River um, was cut off completely up in Janesville, we sure wouldn't feel it immediately in Beloit. It would take some time, probably at least a couple of hours before anything would significantly change that far downstream. I mean, stick with me here. If that's the case, then these priests are standing out there in that river, ankle deep, not even knowing if anything's happening. And so let's look at the sequence of events. God first tells Joshua to, to get people ready to cross the Jordan, and then the, the people consecrate themselves for a supernatural work of God. Um, and then the priests step into the water, and at that moment, the water is cut off way upstream, and the priests are now waiting. Listen, I would imagine that the Ark of the Covenant was pretty heavy. You think their muscles started to shake? You think maybe they were nervous they might drop it? Maybe they were like, how long are we going to have to stand here? One dude had a mosquito fly into his ear. I mean, maybe they were, maybe, okay, maybe there were lots of priests and they would like take it in shifts. But I want, I want you to see that they, they might not have even 
been able to see what God had already started doing. They had consecrated themselves. They'd stepped out in faith by walking into the water. God was already at work in ways they couldn't see and with a plan they could never have imagined. And the truth is that God is at work for your good in ways that you can't see, with a plan you could never imagine and at a time you might never understand. Listen, he might drop money into your lap at just the right time to take you out of debt or, or he might uh, get you a different job and help you make the right choices over the course of the next 10 or 15 years just to get out of debt. I, I, listen, I remember lots of times in my life when, when things felt literally impossible financially. And there was never this moment that was sort of a water piling up kind of moment. But I, I can look back and see God at work in our money. It didn't happen the way that I thought or how I wanted, but he, he brought us through. Because God is at work for your good in ways that you can't see, with a plan you could never imagine, and at a time that you might never understand. Maybe God will miraculously reconcile that broken relationship. I mean, that's probably what you want. But God might see another way through. Maybe he'll bring you a new life that's not dependent on that person. And in time, maybe you'll see that that's what was best for you. But God is at work for your good in ways that you can't see, with a plan you could never imagine at a time you might never understand. Maybe God will heal you completely of your addiction. It happens. Or more likely, God will teach you to follow him in the middle of your addiction. Teach you to learn to rely on him to rely on other people, to rely on programs and meetings, to lead the life that he has called you to live. I gotta say, whatever your Jordan River is, no matter how impossible it may seem, it is not bigger than Jesus. And he proved that when he died and rose again. From the beginning, uh, since Adam and Eve and the apple, there has been an impossibility hanging over the head of every person who has ever lived. And it's the impossibility of living a good life, being a good person. We, we just aren't. Oh, sure, we uh, fight our selfish tendencies and can do things here and there that are good, but we, we just don't have what it takes to be good enough. And so God was going to come up with a solution. Oh, this should be good. What's the solution? Uh, maybe we'll just make people better. Or maybe he could just send in some really good teachers to teach people to be better. Nope, that's not his plan. God decided to go with the plan of death. His solution was death, specifically the death of his own son. Listen, in a million years, nobody could have predicted the way that God would fix the impossibility of sin, that he would send his son to lead a perfect life, die a sinner's death, rise from the dead in three days, and then appear to people to prove his victory over the impossibility of sin. Nobody could have possibly envisioned that would be his solution. But you probably can't envision the way that God is going to bring you through your own impossibility.
because he is at work for your good in ways that you cannot see, with a plan you could never imagine and at a time that you might never understand. But we can hold on to this promise from the prophet Isaiah. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Jesus is greater than any impossibility, and we can trust him to see us through it in his way and in his time. We just need to consecrate our hearts in prayer and the word. Step into the river by taking some spiritual risks and wait on his timing to bring us through. I, I pray, I pray that for you, wherever you are. Have a wonderful week and we'll hope to see you soon. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.